Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. So, God has always protected him. God has given him his word. He's called him. He's anointed him. All of those things are true, aren't they? But will you look at verse one with me? Will you look at chapter 27, verse one with me, just for a quick moment? Because there's something here that happened. David is this wonderful guy that has this wonderful relationship with the Lord. And generally, it goes pretty well. But something happened. Something serious has happened in this situation. Somehow, there's been a little bit of a lapse. Somehow, he's just slipped out. Maybe he lost a, 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 his guard on something, or maybe he was just so confident from how things had gone recently. We don't know for sure. But read with me that first part. And David said in his heart. This is very interesting. This said in his heart. In the original language, it's very interesting what really is implied there. And it's that he basically spoke with himself or just was interacting with himself about it, about what had happened. Now, I understand, just as a quick observation, David is just a guy just like any other guy. I, I understand that he's a, a, a certainly a, the, a man after God's own heart, we know, and, and he's got some wonderful, great character qualities. He's got some kind of big issues, uh, as we see as we go through the word. But he is just a person who is wrought uh, with the potential of failure just like anybody else. That's us, anybody. That's just a clear observation that we would make. The other observation that we would make is that certainly after a victory, and he had wrought, had a great victory come his way, a mountaintop type experience, you and I know that valleys are the next thing that come. The mountains and valleys, mountains and valleys. The thing that you gotta know, I've done a lot of hiking, done a lot of backpacking, climbed a lot of mountains, literally, seriously. And I am telling you, I have seen no trees at the top of any mountains of any height, okay? The thing that's interesting though, in the valleys grows fruit. Things grow in the valley. You're gonna grow, I'm gonna grow in the valley. But we gotta be assured that when there's a mountaintop, be prepared, there's something coming after it. You know, the enemy's always waiting for you to come off the mountaintop, always. Wanting to bring this distractive things going on. This has been a long haul of a trial. We touched base on that. This has been a long go. I've had some trials of the last a few years. Some may be longer, just lingering things, but I, I've had some like really heavy, serious trials that have lasted a few years. And you know what I want and what you want when you're in that spot? We want to be relieved from that pressure that goes with that kind of trial and grinding and you know, stuff that happens in those times. This can lead to some poor decisions possibly from time to time. But I'm telling you, it starts with that first part of verse one. He said to himself, David may have even pursued fixing up his, his bad reputation that he had had going into this. I'm gonna go back down to Gath and get these guys straightened out. I'm not a madman. <laughs> Who knows? 
Maybe it's trying to fix your own situation, taking matters into your own hands on a multiple of levels. Oh man, we gotta be wise, we gotta be careful. This idea of he said in his heart, or he literally, in the original language, it's he talked with or to himself about his situation. And you may think, oh, well, gosh, that is weird. Really? You don't visit with yourself? Are you serious? You, you don't have conversations with yourself? Yeah, I wonder what they're, why they say that to me like that, you know? And then we're gonna threaten in our minds to go give them a piece of our mind, and we shouldn't because we don't have enough to spare anyway. I don't. So I usually stop right there. Once that thought comes in, I'm done. I'm gonna have to pull out of that situation. I can't spare, I can't even, I don't have enough of what I need already, so. But he talked to or with himself. What didn't he do initially then? If you're talking with yourself, you really should be talking with God about the situation. Prayer. Talk with God. And why? Why would I camp on that so hard that he talked to himself regarding his situation? And, and simply, Jeremiah 17, which I know most of us are familiar with. If you aren't, I'd encourage you to turn to it and make a note of it for yourself. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. This is what Jeremiah says of the heart. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Let me read that again, because it matters. The heart, my heart, your heart, our hearts are deceitful above all things. Deceitful. Deceitful means I will, talk, dece I will deceive myself. I'm not truthful with myself. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then take that one step forward. Not only will you deceive yourself, and I'll deceive myself, but it's, it's, it's desperately wicked. I'll deceive myself into wickedness. My thoughts will become wicked and basically evil from the pit of hell. Couldn't be any more clear. So David starts to talk with himself about his situation. And his conclusion is, man, I'm gonna perish someday by the hand of Saul. This is gonna end up in doom. Kind of two things in my general estimation kind of happen. We either go real prideful and it's, you know, they're not taking me down. You know, we get all wound up that way. Or we just go, oh my gosh, this is gonna end up in sure doom. And now it's, you know, Eeyore mode to the max. You know, it's Eeyore on steroids. You know, he's just completely freaked out and negative about everything. That's kind of, it's either super prideful, which is equally destructive because that's destined for, you know, dust, right? For sure. We know that biblically. Or it's the flip side of it. It's just super dark and negative. So if I'm counseling myself, I'm going to get wickedness, wickedness, and deceitfulness. How much time do you want to spend talking with yourself now? Less, I hope. I want to talk to myself a whole lot less if that's what's going to come of it. And we can think this doesn't, I am telling you as sure as I'm standing right here right now, I know every one of you do the exact same thing. I know you do. It's human, it's our condition. Don't, don't deceive yourself. Don't listen to yourself right now because I'm telling you, you'll say, oh, that guy's just an idiot, you know? I mean, you can start thinking, yeah, well, God, that doesn't happen to me, you know? We can start thinking things like that, but no, this is who we all are. Apart from bringing to the Lord, 
I can or we can convince ourselves of all sorts of things and we can get ourselves ultimately then off track. Isn't that what David did? Isn't that what happened to him? He got thinking something and then what did he do from thinking on it? What do you do after you think about it enough? You start acting upon it. That's the problem with pornography, brothers and sisters. That's the issue. Enough, enough, enough. It's going to start, all of a sudden, you start acting upon that. It's the danger of all of those things. We start getting too polluted by the things of the world. We're going to just start getting back into the world. It's a constant guard that has to be there. And thank God for his word. You know what the Bible says about the word? That we are even as husbands to be, even if we have no understanding or comprehension of what we're reading, we're to read our wives the word because there is a washing by the water of the word that takes place. And that's for every person, not just for husbands and wives, but that's also for just us as individuals. There's a washing that takes place. The water of the word washes and cleanses my heart and my mind. From what? From myself, from the enemy, from the things of the world. All three are the enemy of the spirit man within us. My own flesh, myself, the world around me that's controlled by the enemy and Satan himself. All all of those three are, are the issues that I war against, that you war against, that we war against. David, what a great example though. Now he plans out his whole own escape route. I think it often, this this visiting with ourselves on this level, this conferring with ourselves, this, this having this big discussion with ourselves instead of just praying and talking to the Lord leads to negative things, very destructive things. And it leads us away from God's purpose and God's plan for our lives. That's what ultimately happens. It leads us away from God's purpose and God's plan. Because you know what? We become then in these situations, judge, jury, and hangman. We're all three. I don't like what they said. I don't like the way they said it. And then we just keep thinking on it until, and we've got this whole, and we have developed a, a case and a scenario. I can't tell you the number of times I've had people come to me. And it's the first I've ever heard of what is being discussed. And I mean, it's this, I mean, it's an elaborate roadmap of, you know, you said this and you did that. And you, I'm like, whoa, wow, that was quite a ride. I didn't know anything about these issues. I didn't know anything about that situation. Matter of fact, if I said that, I certainly wouldn't have meant this. I mean, again, it goes back to, and what do we do oftentimes when it goes against other people? It's not agape because agape does not presume. I've read my Bible. Agape doesn't presume evil on others. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It does not, agape love does not presume evil on others. David's just gone way off by just spending too much time talking with himself, figuring out all his own thing. And then he takes matters into his own hands. I'm gonna have to escape. And woohoo, brothers and sisters, I can't tell you the number of times that people are this, I mean, that close to a major, major, major life breakthrough, major life breakthrough that could transform and they could be liberated and set free from big issues and situations this close. And then boom, 
They start thinking and working through it and all this stuff goes on in their own minds and they do just like David did. They flee. They run. You think Satan wants people to get breakthroughs, spiritually speaking? I don't care how difficult the matter, do you think Satan wants that breakthrough to take? No way. He wants you to be trapped in the secret dark places, you know? That's how Satan works. He wants to keep us trapped in the darkness. But what does the Bible say? Man, we're to bring it into the light. Man, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the Lord dispels the darkness and things are seen for what they are. And God is gracious and merciful. God just wants it to be seen for what it is so he can shed this light of his love and his grace all over it and shower and wash and cleanse our hearts and our minds. That's what God wants to do and set us free from the chains that have bound us and trapped us. God just wants to liberate this close to big breakthroughs and all of a sudden, oh, well, I, ooh, I, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, it's like a ricochet and just out the door they go. It's crazy. I've watched this so many times. This has explained a lot of stuff to me. You know, really. I ponder a lot of these things. Something just go in my mental file like, ooh, wow, not sure about that, you know, and just file it aside and wait for further information. You know, I can't freak out about what I don't know. I just kind of have to, wow, that was wild, you know, and I just set it back there in the file system. And well, look, man, this has answered a lot of things for me, explained a lot of things to me because this is our condition, all of humanity, apart from us bringing it to the Lord through prayer, sincerely letting God have his way. We don't wanna be judge, jury, and hangman. We don't wanna be in this spot where we give ourselves the kind of counsel that's deceitful and wicked. That's the counsel you and I give our own selves in our minds. Isn't that wild? When we could just go to the Lord and bring it to the Lord. The last verse that I wanna to read to you that, so we've kind of covered the negatives. So the question might be, well, great, no doubt about that. I'm not gonna argue with that at this point, pastor. So what do we do? Well, turn to Philippians first. That's your first step to deliverance. Philippians chapter four, second step to deliverance. Third step, verse six. Because where was David at at this time? He had become wrought with anxiety, wasn't he? He was really struggling. Saul's after me. He's gonna kill me. I'm, I know how this is gonna go. Oh my God. You know, and then he just goes into, I'm gonna flee. I gotta take matters into my own. I'm just gonna leave. I'm gonna take a break from Israel, take a break from this whole thing. I'm going down to Gath, hang out with the Philistines for a while. I'll get busy doing some cool, seemingly spiritually good things right? All sounds good. Seems like it's going to go well, but this is our real answer. Be anxious for nothing. You know, you've heard me talk about it enough times and you'll get it memorized before too long. That word anxious means distracting cares. Be anxious for nothing. Distracting cares. Isn't that what enters into your heart, my heart, our hearts? Things that would distract us. Again, isn't that what David was wrestling with? A distracting care. What's gonna happen? Be anxious for nothing. Not some things, not a few things, not a little bit of stuff, not nothing. 
But in, instead of being anxious, so it's not just don't be anxious, but what do I do? Because we need some proactive thing. We need to know what do I do with this? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Boom, answer one, by prayer. Bring it to the Lord, pray, seek the Lord, drop it off at his feet, let God have it. Seek God's counsel, get direction from his spirit. But in everything by prayer, and supplication with thanksgiving, having a thankful heart, bringing those needs, those circumstances, those concerns to the Lord, being thankful, knowing that God loves you and that God wants to help you, that God wants to do this, this make this right, whatever it is. Let your request again be made known to God. Bring it to God. He doesn't say sit around, mull it over, Talk to yourself about it, you know. What's the end result in verse seven? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, there was no exceptions about what the anxious thing is. Zero. No exclusions, no, not, it just was a blanket statement. It doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter what's happening to you. doesn't matter what's happening to me. And believe me, I understand. We can get freaked out. I understand that. But my mind's got huge limitations, no matter what I might want to think. Well, I figured it out. I know what they're up to now. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. I just, I, I just don't go there because paranoia is a bad thing. It leads to suspicions, which then lead to, well, I think Saul's going to kill me. You know, I'm going to have to split. I gotta get out of here. I gotta, you know, and you just go into these freak out sessions. And then all of a sudden you miss all of what God might be wanting to do because you're so sidetracked with what you think he should be doing, but he's not. Instead of just going to him because you're playing God in your own mind, your minds become your God. You've sorted it all out. You've figured it all out. You've got all the answers. When in fact, you're gonna come up way short. I guarantee you every time anxiety will come in and it will become very fruitless. And again, who wants the counsel of wickedness and deceitfulness? I don't want any counsel like that. This is the thing. The peace of God is just that. Just that. It's peace. It's not all worked up. It's not all upset. It's not all tweaked about everything. It's just peaceable. How's that going to work out? You know, I'm not real sure. Talk to Jesus about it though. Well, that's great, but how's it going to work out? I'm not real sure. But I know we can trust God. He's always been faithful. Those sound like empty words, don't they? When you're all freaked out about something. But you know what? It's still the truth. It's always gonna be the truth. God's been faithful, he'll be faithful. Sometimes he shows up, as we've read through and watched, 11th hour, 59th minute, 59th second. But God's never a no-show. He's never a no-show. He's faithful to his people. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. This is kind of the anti-type of the anxious, isn't it? It's kind of the anti-type of what we saw David doing. And then David, because he went in those other things, then now he's trapped in this bad situation, which we'll learn about. We'll learn about spiritism and all that stuff in our next study. 
it was too much to try and take in in one shot. But we'll talk about it because Saul goes to the witch of Endor and, you know, you remember Endora. You remember her from, uh, what was the name of the show? Bewitched. You remember her from when we were kids. I always wondered where that name came from. Now I know. We stole it from God's word. But uh, anyway, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, surpasses the understanding. Well, how can you be, how can you be comfortable about this situation? Well, I've asked, I've talked to God about it. I mean, yeah, but what are we going to, oh, I know, I understand, but we're just going to have to see what God's going to do with this. Oh man, those are good words and the truth. And he will guard your hearts. I love this. It's not just hearts. He's, he will guard your hearts. Yes, thank you, God. But look at that. And mine through Christ Jesus. Not just our hearts, but our minds. He'll guard our hearts and minds. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's anything virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Isn't that a great word? Not all of the negative, nightmare stuff that we can come up with, but all of these things are things that represent holiness, good things. We start taking that stuff in and we're gonna start having good stuff coming out. We're bringing stuff to the Lord. We're praying, we're bringing to the Lord. We're gonna start having peaceful things coming out. We're at peace, we're gonna have peaceful things coming out. The end result is very different that we read here than what we saw happen with David. And he doesn't always make this mistake. He doesn't always do that. I love the Bible because it's painfully factual. It didn't sugarcoat what David did or how he did it. It gave us just the straight facts. This is what he did. And this is how he did it. And it tells us exactly how it happened. All of a sudden, now he's in this spot where the enemy's saying, hey, you're my man. You're my man. Isn't it better to say, no, nope, no, no, no. Never wanted to be your partner, never wanted to deal with that, never wanted to be associated with any of that. Just stay away from the dark side of it. And then we aren't forced into that point where there's a push to compromise. David stands strong. He's our man in the Lord. God, God pulls through for him. And it's awesome. Man, a lot of painful things happen in the route that don't have to happen to you and that have to happen to me. Yes, experience is the best teacher, right? Experience is the best teacher. But as we've said many times, it doesn't have to be yours. Experience is the best teacher, but it doesn't have to be yours. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today. I know as God's word goes out, it accomplishes the purposes for which he sent it. And I know that sometimes we hear a message like today's message and the Lord really starts to tug on our hearts. And if God's tugging on your heart and you've not been walking with the Lord and you want to get close with the Lord or you want to start a new life with Jesus, it's just a simple prayer away. You know, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, without the Lord, we're already perishing. We're perishing in our sin. We need a savior. We need help. And you know, I, I know you know that. I know you're hearing that. I know you're sensing that. And this is your opportunity to call out to the Lord and ask him to be your personal Lord and savior. So I'm not talking about 
being religious, I'm talking about having a relationship, getting to know someone by introduction. And so this is an introduction. I want to introduce you to my friend Jesus, and he wants to make himself real to you. He loves you. He loves this world, and he loves you personally. He knows how many hairs you have on your head or how few you have. He knows what color they are. He knows the color of your eyes. He knows how tall you are. He knows everything about you. The Bible says that he loves you with a perfect love. And he wants you to believe on him and have everlasting life that you can spend all eternity with him. If you would, just pray this simple prayer of faith with me. Jesus, I want to open up my heart to you. Lord, I want to have everlasting life. I want to ask that you would forgive me of all my sin. I humble myself before you, Lord. I know I need you. I know that I've fallen short and sinned in many ways in many areas of my life. And so I ask that you would just come in and make my life new. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for everlasting life that now is mine in you. I ask that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I might walk with you and have life abundant. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, the service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Come, Lord Jesus, come.